Hi, everybody. You're listening to In Our 60s, created, hosted, and produced by me, Marcy Nicholas. This show is for those of us who are navigating the decade of our 60s with all its particular challenges and possibilities. Before I introduce my guest today, I want to thank my previous guests and those of you who have been listening for being part of this podcast project. If you want to share your story about what it means to be in your 60s, you can contact me. In the meantime, I may reach out to you. If you accept, I will walk you through the process. And if you decline, I will not take it personally. This podcast is not meant to be a task that you must complete, but a way to capture the stories of many people who are dear to me and who interest me. On another note, I've decided where my podcast will be hosted, and I do apologize for this website whiplash. I decided to go with PodPage, not Podbean. What I really like about PodPage is it provides several ways for listeners to interact with the podcast and the guests. First, I have set up the page so you can now comment on the episodes. For this, you will need a Facebook account. And secondly, if you look in the lower right-hand corner of the page, you will find a microphone icon button. You can leave a voice message that I can download and then potentially include in my next podcast. So feel free to play around with that feature. Well, I really didn't mean to conduct a damn business meeting before introducing my next guest. I hope no one is breaking out in hives based on your experience with those who always want to call a meeting to revise the third sentence of the third paragraph in some finance report. And so let me, in, let me introduce my guest. My guest today is my husband, Fred. Fred and I are recording at our at Penn State because we had some audio issues recording at home. Um, so this is our this is our second go around. Usually, Fred, I know you've listened to my podcast, but usually I ask people to share their memory of. If, if we have a memory of where where we met so do you want to do you want to start and share where and how we met and and how long we've been married or will be married sure sure Marcy and thank you for having me on two times now in one day <laughs> 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 yes, it's been quite a day, but we might get into that later. So I, I heard about you before I met you. Uh, and uh, my brother and uh, former sister-in-law uh, were telling me about you when they were helping me move my stuff back to uh, York from graduate school. And then that was, uh, it was another year and, and a month or so later that we actually met at the uh, faculty orientation at Penn State York. And uh, I think we really met it, not at the orientation, but at the, at the picnic at uh, our chancellor's or CEO's house. Right? And, and the reason your brother and oh yeah 
our former sister-in-law talked about me is because I actually had them as students in in one of my classes. Yes. Yeah. And so. then and then we didn't start dating until 1989. Well, if I'm not mistaken, we had a student who tried to set us up. Didn't oh, we? Oh, that's right. Yes. 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 And she I don't I don't know how that fell through or did it fall through or was she just recommending I don't know. You to me or me to you. Didn't we I, go to see that Anselm Kiefer show? Yes. Yes, and that was I thought that No, was that, that before was we, that was before I think we started she went today. With us. Oh, where was the Anselm Kiefer show? In the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Oh, okay, yes. I mean, I remember going to the show, definitely. And then and then that summer of 89, we that's when we went to New York, right, to see you had That was an opening. Accepted. Yeah. Yes, First it was an street. opening. You had Yeah, First Street Gallery or something like that. Yeah, and who was the uh was was Jack Beale the owner of that Jack gallery? Jack Beale was the juror. No. Oh, the, the juror. juror. Yeah. Yeah. And and why you said this in our in our previous take, you said that you were surprised that you were accepted into that show. Why why were you surprised? Well, because my work was not as realistic or as you know, like photographic realism or photorealism, or it was a little more expressive than all the other work. And uh, you know, I I I think mine was sort of walking a line between more illusionistic stuff and more expressive stuff. And I I think in many ways it still is. But yeah. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. You. Yeah. I mean, you've often. What have you called yourself? An ex, uh, expressive realist, or yeah, I guess I, I don't because know. okay, because yeah. because you always talk about how how you can make out the the images in your paintings, but you're not interested in having those kinds of markings the same kinds of markings and brushwork as well, yeah and maybe the color is more expressive or the brushwork is a little more is is is, is looser uh, than than what you would have i never really went with a lot of small brushes you know i had a professor t at when i was in undergrad school say well if you're going to be m more realistic you need to get rid of all those big brushes I think he knew I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. so tell tell our listeners about your professional life, and and that's sort of complicated for you because, well, I'll let you I'll I'll let you explain that a bit. Well, if I'm not doing any alpine skiing or, <laughs> or 
riding my day classic sailor. BMW or day, yeah, my day sailor. <laughs> then I'm I'm usually in the studio at Penn State York, and uh, I think that there is some kind of tension between doing creative work and teaching painting and drawing you know, in a big university such as Penn State. And uh, there, there's just some kind of tension between my expectations and the students' expectations and my expectations of my work and my expectations of their work. And, uh, their, and, and, and also, I think, maybe... So that, but that's that's my professional life is 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 both in and out of the studio, in the classroom and in the studio. So, I don't know. Is that? Do you have a more specific question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I guess I'm thinking about just just the amount. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about this this semester that we're in now where. You're teaching printmaking, and and you've had to spend a lot of time making prints yes. as, as examples of the assignments so that you can illustrate to your students what they need to do for a particular assignment. And though well, you are creating a, a certain body of work, it might still not be the work that you want to focus on, but you have to use that focus and time and resources for well, for the the course that you're teaching as well, opposed to sort of using the time and resources for your quote-unquote own work well but part of it is also i needed to do those make those examples because i i i did not have a sense i did not have a good sense anyway of how long these pieces would take and i i figured okay this is how long it takes me to do it add a couple more hours you know these are the kinds of trials that these students might have as they're as they're doing these pieces um, and so it was it was not just to have an example but also to to have a better sense of of what exactly was was involved with this because the last time I taught anything with printmaking it was uh, I taught an independent study and a special topics thing and uh, so that was very open-ended and uh, and and we just kind of went along with it. I had two students in this class then, and uh, so it, it was a lot different than having a whole bunch of students. And 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 another thing is, I, I they they're they're at all different levels in terms of their drawing ability. So I had to kind of figure out how much of this course is going to be based on. Uh, technical aspects of the print and how much is on the creative aspect or the original the originality of the images and uh, you know that 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 all comes into play because 
none of these courses require a prerequisite and uh, so they may not have drawing skills and so but yeah I did spend a lot getting back to it I'd spent a lot of time doing these prints and then I haven't been painting but there are other reasons uh, I haven't been painting as much until until lately and there are other reasons that I wasn't getting some painting done too things with the you know my 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 mom and, and, and family things and what have and, you yeah and there's also but you also mentioned some tension about because you are not teaching art majors yeah the the students are taking this class as a to fulfill a an arts requirement Right. Right. So, so they they m might be basing their decision to take this course on their experience at high school or middle school, and I don't know if if well, I know for certain actually that some of them had no idea of, of the amount of time it's going to take uh, to do some of this work or the effort. And, and frankly, I don't understand why someone would sign up for a studio class if they uh, could instead sit in a, you know, a, a, a class that meets three hours less a week and, uh, you know, kind of an art appreciation or something like that. So it is frustrating to not have art majors. And, uh, but sometimes it's rewarding. You get, you get some students who really get get into the process and then and and so i have i do have a, a lot of students who repeat classes i wouldn't say a lot but maybe a quarter of them you know come back and take another class so that's always neat so yes. you turned you turned 60 last year yeah and can and uh, we we did do something special for your birthday. Do do you want to talk about that, or do you want me well, yeah. to? Well, you can, well you did a lot of the work. You got everything together and made the arrangements, and and my whole family ended up coming into town, and uh, which was really cool because my brothers and and sister in laws and my parents were there, and it was the last time that uh, dad got to. Um, come out with us that was before we found out he was sick so um that was really special and then and then we went back to the house and you had the whole yeah we you had yeah, we had our house all decorated go ahead you, right you, you we talk. we sort of had a i mean a, a a retro retro birthday party you know we had a a happy birthday tablecloth and uh, and napkins and funny glasses and those um those things that you blow into that unfold i thought they were going to make noise but they didn't make noise so i was That's a little okay. disappointed i was a little disappointed in that uh, but i think the the best thing about it was that it was your whole family and it was one of the last times that we went out to dinner with your with your father before he he fell and then he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, and and then he passed away in in june yeah but do you remember th like thinking about turning 60 was it 
Was it a definitive moment for you or just another birthday? I was just looking forward to spring break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because your birthday usually falls yeah, around. So I think I think it was. Yeah. It yeah it was around spring break it's last year too. Almost always like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's almost always like that. Uh, no, I wasn't thinking about. I, I you know, I'm always running numbers in my head of different things, and and I guess that's just another one of those things that I think about you know oh well at this time when my grandfather was this old he was doing this or had done that and when this person was this old they had done this and done that and I, I think about that stuff but I, I think really instead I, maybe I, I thought I'm a little closer to retirement and uh, and uh, looking forward to that that sort of thing well and and the of course, that'll be a big change, and it's still a little scary because there's so much going on with markets and the economy and <laughs> and savings that it's hard to. But but no, I really didn't think about like being sixty. You know, I I really didn't, and I and I and I don't know why. So, has there been anything different about? turning 60 or, or moving into your 60s as opposed to turning 50 and moving into your 50s? I think my bones hurt more <laughs> <laughs> when I get up to do things. No, I think 50 was a much bigger deal. You know, we had that party. Oh, that's right. Yes, I did get. I you did know, have a party for came. you. And that's kind of, but 60 is kind of like, okay, okay, here's, here's the side stage. Here's, you know, exit stage, right? Kind of thing here, get, get out of here, <laughs> you know, move along. I, I think, well, and this, this didn't happen all, all at once, but I do notice a much greater gulf between my experiences and those of my students. And uh, that that is one thing that, that I'm noticing more. But that's not just being 60. That's just being 40 years older than them. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Right. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it gets a little harder to, you know, relate to their music, uh, to relate to what what they're into. I mean, for instance, in a in a class. Just last week, I had a lot of students talking about talking about anime and talking about One Piece and Attack of the Titans, some other titles, none of which I am familiar, and and just how much time they spend watching these because they take some some of them have like one of them has 700 episodes or a thousand episodes so they spend a lot of time watching these stories and and getting involved in the narrative arc yes uh, of the you know, of these stories. I mean, they're very, they're very invested in this. Yes. So, 
That is, and of course, even even playing video games, I have no experience, no experience with that whatsoever. But there are plenty of people our age who do. Yes. Right. I mean. Right. But you're right. I I don't either. You know, and uh, and I well, very minor experiences, and and uh, well. Well, one reason we don't is because of where we live. We don't have, we don't have high-speed internet where we live. Yeah, but we have that so, we, and we don't even really use that. I mean, we, you know, we use that for a little yeah. bit, but it's just, I don't know. It, it, it just doesn't it do anything. For it me. didn't keep our interest no. that much. No. No. It didn't. So, so I, obviously I know that you are not retired yet. Yeah. How do you have with not that you have to be specific? I mean, I have plans. Do you have plans to retire? Yeah. Yes. And how do you how do you see your retirement unfolding or well, how do you hope your retirement unfolds? Well, I, I, I it's I, it's a little premature to talk about it only because we're really not sure what we're going to do with with my mom. And, and and not that we have to do anything with her, but you know her situation at her, they, she still is in the house that she and my dad bought, you know, fifty two years ago, and so it's uh, it's a huge house for one person, and uh, you know depending on how how long she stays in that or if we can find a, a better place for her then maybe uh, I can think about some other things to do in retirement. But I have all sorts of ideas, probably most of which you're not going to want me to do. Uh, <laughs> you know, everything from have goats again. And I, I know that, that you're not into that. <laughs> to uh, do some serious traveling, and uh, which I'm sure you would be into. And, and uh you know, then do, of course, do a lot more painting and fix up my studio space, get the studio working, and also do a lot of things. Uh, because I, I was thinking about this today was I was trying to fix the the chipper that was hooked up to the tractor, and thinking about how how many things you know with 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 balancing stuff with with my with my mom and with work and with the trying to do creative work. And um, our relationship and the upkeep of the place, that's, you know, there, there are only so many hours in the day. And uh, I'm hoping to kind of knock one of those things out so I have a little more time to attend to the other things and, and be engaged in a little bit more meaningful activity than just running around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to put out fires all the time. I, and, know, chickens, I know that headless chickens don't put out fires, but. Well, and, and in case someone listening doesn't know, we, we live on 10 acres. Yeah. We moved there. How Ten long and a ago? Half. <laughs> 10 and a half acres. How, how long ago did we it's move gonna there? Be 30, it's going to be 26 years in March. 26 years in March. In the end of March. The end of March. Yes. And, and we were... We were younger then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we had a lot more energy. And yeah, but 
you know, I, I think you don't, you know, I mean, a lot of the things that we did when we first got there are, need to be attended to again, but they don't need to be redone, you know, but things do need to be going back into, you know, I mean, the woods are always coming up on us. And it reminds me of, uh, you know, I mean, you just have to, you just have to go and, and take care of it again and again and again. And, uh, if you let it go, it just gets wild and unmanageable, and then it takes even longer to do the next time. So it's, it's just one of those things. But yeah, 10 acres, 10 and a half acres, you know. But like today, you. 63 year old tractor. Right. 61 year old. Had... No, the tractor is 10 years older than me. Okay. Like today, you had plans yes. to take care of some some brush if yeah you but will. i was only going to do that for an hour i was going to paint right, the rest right. of the day right get... we're only going to do that for an hour so then you you we have a a professional grade chipper a pretty yeah. pretty intense PTO chipper. driven apache wood chipper shredder right yes. yeah. but but what happened was the a shear pin broke right, right. Right, and it was also jammed up in the in the chip. Oh, it was also jammed up. Yeah, so, so that's why so it's had to, Right, so you had to spend time fixing that before you could even yeah begin the project that you had set out to do at one o'clock. You didn't even get to start the project until well, I did. I, did. I ran it long enough to get that the stuff jammed in there. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> right. And, uh, oh, you had you had it. It wasn't jammed oh, in there from beforehand. Oh it no, was, no, no. I was, oh, I was okay. working. I, <laughs> I was working on it for about forty-five minutes or so, and then then a big, big old uh, grapevine kind of got wrapped around there. It didn't chip. It just wrapped around like an old anaconda almost. And uh, and that's that's when the the shear pin broke. But then I had to you know take the whole thing apart and dig it out and untwist it and try to cut it off and yeah that was a that was a lot of stuff but that's like normal that's that's like every everything you know something doesn't one work pro you hit right. a rock one project leading yes. to another project yes. yes but then like you said then then that cuts into fixing everything. that you know that cuts into time the time that you wanted to spend on some other things that's why you were banging on the afternoon. kitchen door to tell me dinner was ready when I was still bringing the firewood, <laughs> right. which is another yes. thing that takes a lot of time because we heat the house with wood, right? So, yes. But I think about how much money we saved over all these years heating with wood. You know. Well, we That's, we do save money, but I don't I don't know if your shoulders are going to be saved. <laughs> well, you know what? They go. They all turn to dust anyway, eventually. So. Well, just like eventually, the wood, just but, like the ashes, right? Eventually, but we would hope not, not just yet. Well, oh yeah, I have stuff to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so is there? So so how you know? What would it? You know, what do you? What would a typical day of retirement look like for you? Well, I'd like to get up and uh, walk over to Rudders. No, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to get up and uh, 
and talk to cup, the ladies. Have a right? cup of coffee. No. Take the dog out for a walk. Maybe do some sketching or drawing. Have a breakfast. Uh, do a little reading and then get to the studio for, you know, until lunchtime, say. And then work outside for for an hour or two. Uh, and depend, and then once it starts getting warmer, then maybe, you know, work in the morning while it's still cool. And then go to the studio and, uh, you know, and, and do a little traveling. But I think mostly just, you know, be able to balance, like, like this week, really, you know. You know, mm -hmm. if you have to go, if you have to take someone to the doctor or, you know, do this or do that, you have time to do that. But you're not. It's not like, oh, I have to be home and get to bed by such and such a time so I can get up and teach my early morning class or, or what have you, grade papers. Yeah, I, I know. This morning I woke up and I was thinking about the things that I was planning to work on, such as this podcast and this essay that I've been working on for for a while. And I was, on the one hand, I was looking you know, looking forward to that. But on the other hand, I realized that surrounding that was the, the pressure of performing, teaching. Right. You know, those things are so side by side and just, just that, I, I, it's not anxiety. I, I don't know what a good word for it is, stress. but there's always stress. stress, but there's always that date, right? That you have to be ready, you know, next, yeah. you know, we have to be ready next week to get back into the classroom. And, and again, that, that tension comes up between, you know, your own creative work and then having to prepare for, prepare for class. And, and I think, I think, you know, artists all over, you know, in, in every profession face that tension, right? Because there are very few artistic people who can make a living just just with their art right you know they all they they have some other gig that and see that's why i've been really lucky though because my gig is very closely related to you know to my painting and I mean, even though there's tension and, and it's not perfect, I mean, my gosh, I can't, I can't, um, I couldn't ask for a better kind of job, really, even with all the griping and complaining that I do. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm dealing with something I like, and uh, I'm really into it, right? So, I, I don't know, I, you know. It's, there's, t I mean, it, uh, on the other hand, if if I were to, I don't know, let me just use some something like, you know, just work in, in retail or something like that, or do construction, then I would, I, I wouldn't have to think about, you know, art. 
uh, while I was, I mean, I, or, or working those jobs. Once I got home, I would just be finished and I could just get to my painting. But I'm, I would be so tired if I was doing some of that stuff too. That, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I'm not making any sense. I feel like I'm babbling. Well, right that's there. okay. And, yeah. and, and yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a better listener as I, yeah. as I do these podcasts. But, but as you mentioned before that, that your output has ebbed and flowed and, and, and when you've, and sometimes you've even taken a break from painting yeah. and, and worked in, in different, yeah. I don't know if you want to call Drawing, it mediums. Pen, yeah, different mediums. Sure, pen and ink is a different. I mean, I spent I spent I don't know at least a year and a half pretty much just drawing those pen and ink drawings, and then that that uh, zombie thing that uh, you know was finished right as The Walking Dead came out. That was really a bummer. Your comic strip. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so I did all that stuff with Smitty and the monkeys. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I think I started them in 2006 or maybe even late 2005 and didn't, didn't fully hang up that stuff until maybe more like 2009 or so, really. So I started doing more painting, uh, a year or so before that, but you know, I did, I didn't for a while. And then we did the, the bowel movement art. Uh, and that was a lot of stencils and and things like that. And, and, and listeners, bow that the bow movement is B A U. Yeah, like Bauhaus, right? Like the Bauhaus. Only we call it bow movement, <laughs> <laughs> or business as usual, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That was so fun. is there? So as. So is there anything else on your mind these days? Well, I think I worry. I worry about stuff a lot. Uh, I mean, not stuff I have, not not like worry like, oh, you know, what am I going to do? But I think about a lot of, uh, I worry about history. I worry about my students not being aware of things, people in general. I know you're worried about the hawk. Yes, the hawk that's constantly, and she was out there today. I don't know if I told you when I, no. when I went out there to um, check to see what work needed to be done around, and, and I was working near the chicken coop, and I noticed all the songbirds were in the bushes and in the trees. I could see them, you know, and, and I thought, well, why are they hanging out there? I just put food out in the bird feeders. And I looked up into a tree, and that hawk was there, and she saw me, and then she flew off. Uh, but she's been yeah, harassing she's been... our last hen. Yeah, mercy. Yeah, she's yeah. This this hawk has been, as Fred said, harassing harassing our last hen. She killed and... the last one. I mean, I, well, right. She yes. wounded it mortally. Wounded oh. it. Oh. You know yeah, that was really tough. messed it up. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the thing is that we can't quite figure out is that we have two roosters and and, and they don't seem interested in rescuing this hen because we've had in the years that we have lived there we have had 
a whole series of roosters. And so we had we had this this Dutch Spang. This Dutch Spang. Silver Dutch Spangled or Silver Speckled Hamburger or something like that. Silver right. Sp- yeah. And he he, he would awesome. not go into the coop at night until no. he could account for all the hens. He was literally yeah. I don't know if he was counting, but it seemed as if yeah. he was counting because he knew when one or two were still out of the coop at night. So they yes. always they you can count on chickens to go into their coop at night. You don't yes. have to when it gets dark, they just automatically return to the coop. And we had and Rusty then, too. For, of course, for, we had Rusty, who was a huge Rhode Island Red. In fact, we had hit those two together. Oh, we did. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Rusty lived longer than Spang, though. Spang met uh, un, unseemly. And yes, he was in a very aggressive rooster. He was. And then, then Rusty became aggressive afterward, but not yes. before. Yeah. And then we had a, <laughs> actually a wonderful rooster. We named him PJ. Yeah. And he he died while protecting yeah, the he hens. Yeah, hawk. And we had a couple other ones in between that we had that big, we had a big white one with a black head that something killed. And uh, we had a couple, we had that crazy rooster. Yes. Uh, that, he was neurotic. He, well, all the other right. roosters chased Very, him. Yes, name. that was terrible. Yes, but but these two. So now we have two. Yeah, and they can't Useless. seem to to get their act together. Yes, to they just stand around and and crow when yes. the hen is being attacked, and and and. However, I will say it's very unusual to have to for two roosters to cohabitate. Well, remember we had to those live nine together. We had those nine leghorns too. Oh, that's true. And with that's the two true. white leghorn, two the two hens, right? Yes. We had the nine. Uh, yeah, they, they were, were they a, were something a, else. A biology experiment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's and they, true. And they, they stayed out. They did not go in the coop, though, until one of them got attacked at night. Because remember, oh, they yeah, used they to roost in the tree. Roost in the trees. Until until they realized why the other chickens were going inside. Right. Jeez. Right. That was yeah. a long time ago. That was, that was like 2003 or something like that. That was like 20 years ago. Yeah, you, had have, white... yeah, you have some good paintings of those. Yeah. Of those white leghorns. Yes. Some really good good. I have one of, good painting and some drawings. Yeah, I can't believe someone hasn't. Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, hasn't bought that It'll one. It'll all end up in a dumpster sometime. It could. <laughs> it's, it certainly could. Then into the trash compactor. Right. I mean, remember we discovered that one painting of yours being sold through... Yes. Yeah, it was, was so, it, it a was goodwill? A, it was a Salvation was it, Army. Salvation Army. Salvation Army. Army th- store, and we yeah. wondered, like, we wondered how it got there to begin with. Yeah. It's, that's sobering. But it did <laughs> so, get bid up. It was going to go for $15, and people started bidding on it, and it went up to 400 and something. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, see, someone sent me an email and said, is this one of your paintings? And then they wanted to buy it, right? And and I posted something about it online, 
and uh, and all of a sudden, all these people started to bid on it. So I think that guy thought he was going to get it for like fifteen dollars, and he didn't. <laughs> he uh, did not. <laughs> yeah, that that painting was sold from a show up in Harrisburg. I don't know. That was a that was a nifty little painting too. Little interior, so, little little square interior, like when I was when I was looking at a lot of Bernard paintings. Well, so so you're you're 61. You you turned 61 <laughs> a few days ago. Yeah. And we were we were fortunate to have another little gathering. Yes. For you, that was fun. Yes. So, what are your, you know, in the next couple years? What's on your mind right now regarding these next couple years? Well, as soon as I finish working here, I want to take a drive across the country with you and hopefully Hancho, you know, uh, because I think, you know, uh, that would be too much fun to miss. And and do a little more traveling and, and maybe get out of here in the winter time. Uh, make life a little bit easier on us and uh, do a lot more painting that's that's really what I, you know I want to attend to the things that I haven't been able to get to and uh, just in, it just 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 kind of try to enjoy things without uh, and, and try to stay active I, I don't know you know well, that's that sounds like a, a good start. Paint right? and read, paint and read <laughs> and and work. Yeah. Which is one thing I'm very happy. You know, like we we got all those novellas, and that's been real, a real joy reading all those books. Yeah, Fred and I read a book by Louise Erdrich called The Sentence, which. We both would. I guess we read that in the fall. Well, you read it in the fall. I read it last year, and then I read it again this year because I said, you know, I want to read that again. Okay. And and so it's called the sentence, and it's about a bookstore and the people who work in the bookstore. The the author, Louise Erdrich, who is a native Native American, she owns a bookstore, and she was a character in her own novel. Yeah. And. And so at the end of the book, there's a whole, there's a whole list of books that were, dis- that were mentioned in some form in the novel. And one of those lists was this whole series, this series of novellas. And so I, I thought, well, over the, the Christmas break, the semester break, I ordered all of those from the library and so fred and i have been reading those novellas i mean we started out with jm coetzee's uh waiting for the barbarians (laughs) yeah we read james welch's the winter in the blood train sounds dennis Dennis Johnson, Train Sounds. Fred read 
the shadow line by Conrad, I myself could not get through that one. And, and, and I read and too, too, too Quiet a Solitude. Too Quiet a Solitude by Czech writer, which I haven't read yet. And then one that I read was called Fire on the Mountain by Anita Desai. And so and I they don't know were. What made me read Accidental Buddhist when I was doing that stuff too? Right, we both. Which is not a novella, which is a memoir no. by Dinty Moore. So we, so I had, we both read that too. So it's been a good, uh, a good rich time. Yeah. For us, in, as far as as far as reading goes. So Fred, thanks. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope you feel like you got to I don't know recount a little bit about your life and and sort of think ahead think ahead a bit. Oh, definitely, definitely. Thank you. Yeah. And so so I just want to mention before before we end the show today that I I just want to encourage you to comment on on this episode or any episode you want to or you can leave me a voicemail, leave a voicemail also through through the, the podcast webpage. So thank thank you, Fred. Mm-hmm. Love you. Love you too. And 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 uh, thanks to all my listeners for you know I sort of feel like we're all uh, that this project that the, that we're all in this together. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs>